Are you an adult with dyslexia? Are you longing for more in your life than the constant, relentless push and pull on your emotions that dyslexia can bring? What about those physical demands that require you to constantly shift gears, rethink? Can I do this? Well, my name is Hope, and I am your host. And I understand because I was diagnosed as an adult with dyslexia. And I often believed that I wasn't enough. Fear and shame were my constant companion. Until I met Christ, then everything changed. This podcast, Make Room for More, is devoted to encouraging and inspiring adults with dyslexia to make more room in their life for Christ. You will hear biblical truth that will uplift and challenge you to find a place for dyslexia in your life and let Christ take center stage of your life. Thank you for joining me. To gain a better understanding of the power of Christ's resurrection, let us examine a familiar story to some. To others, this story can be found in John 11, 1 through 45. Picture this. Jesus and a group of people have been traveling all morning. They stop to rest on the side of the road near a running brook. Now, put yourself in the scene. See yourself in the crowd sitting close to Jesus. Now, when you read John 11, 1 through 45, you can conclude that you have just read the death, burial, and resurrection of Lazarus. And that is a true and logical conclusion. Now, the story starts off when Jesus receives word from a messenger sent from Mary and Martha stating the following. And this can be found in John eleven three, Lord, behold, he whom you love is dead. Jesus responds by saying, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now the messengers returned to Bethany with the glad tidings that the illness presently raging through Lazarus' body is not unto death. So naturally, after receiving these words, Mary and Martha conclude that their brother would recover from his illness. However, Jesus remains where he is on the side of the road, and his disciples are confused about what appears to them as Christ's indifference to Lazarus' illness. Later, Jesus says to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. This is even more alarming than Christ's lack of interest in Lazarus' illness because they recently left this area. Why? Because the Jews were being hostile towards Jesus and they had recently tried to kill him. Knowing their confusion, Jesus says, Of our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Verse 11. Just a note to consider. The messengers do not return to Jesus to inform him that Lazarus has died. Now the question is, why is Jesus' resurrection so powerful? No one tells Jesus that Lazarus has died, so how does he know? I am convinced that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, wants to share so much with us. But after we have made our requests known to him, do we remain still before him? so that we can hear what he wants to share. When I read the Bible, there are times that I wish the disciples had been more openly curious, asking questions until they fully understood the principles in which Christ was trying to teach them, and how often they simply chose to talk among themselves. For example, 
Instead of directing their questions to Christ, the scripture says they reason among themselves that if he, Lazarus, is asleep, he'll be okay. Jesus, seeing their confusion, says to them, Lazarus is dead. He further states, And I am glad for your sake that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. But before we go further, let us discuss why Jesus delayed his return to Bethany. Now think of it this way. He could have prevented Lazarus from dying simply by showing up. In the presence of the life giver, death has no power. Jesus will be nailed to the cross soon. But before that happened, he wants his disciples, he wants you, he wants me to know and to understand the power of his resurrection. Here Jesus will put his divinity on display. Now remember what he said to his disciples in verse 15. I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Now the disciples refused to even entertain that Jesus would die. With that being the case, his resurrection held no power for them. They did not want him dead. They wanted him to rule as an earthly king. Now let's look at another conversation Jesus was having. This can be found in John eleven twenty. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Now Martha hastened to meet Jesus. But as you continue reading, you can sense in her heart agitation by conflicting emotions. I imagine her saying, You said this sickness was not unto death. Then why did my brother die? Why did you wait? Why did you take four days after his death to show up. I believe there was another reason that Jesus delayed his coming. Now Christ knew that Martha and Mary, as they looked on the face of their dead brother, that their faith in their Redeemer would be severely tried. But there's something else that Jesus knew. He knew that because of the struggle through which they were passing, their faith, if they held on, would shine forth with greater power. Therefore, he needed to stretch their faith. All Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but who in the crowd believed him? But oh, how he wanted to encourage her faith. And how does he do this? He says to Martha, your brother shall rise again. He wanted Martha to see in her brother's resurrection a greater resurrection of the righteous. In other words, Martha, don't stop there. This isn't just about your brother, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It can't save anyone. And by the way, anyone that dies in me, Christ says, shall live again. And what is Martha's response? I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She doesn't get it, but Christ isn't giving up on her. He keeps working with her to stretch her faith. At this point, you're hoping, I'm hoping that the light bulb goes off in Martha's head. Now picture this. Martha is processing this profound information. Now wait a minute, Martha says to herself. He's not only talking about Lazarus being risen again from the dead. The righteous that die in him shall rise again. That includes you and me. He is also telling me, I too, if I walk in the light, if I walk in the truth, I will not experience a second death. 
However, Martha is still not recognizing who's talking to her. The eternal life giver was standing right in front of her. Now, she believes that Jesus could heal the sick. He caused the lame to walk, give sight to the blind, and feed 5,000 people. But this? This was way beyond hope, way beyond faith. This was impossible even for Jesus. What does Jesus say to Martha to continue stretching her faith? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, I am life. It originates in me. I didn't borrow life from someone. It begins and ends in me. He that has life has the Son. Christ says to Martha and to each of us, the divinity of Christ is the believer's assurance of eternal life. That is why he says, He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never experience the second death. 1 John 5.12 Once again, Jesus says to Martha, Martha, do you believe me? This miracle that Jesus is about to perform is to inspire each of us to live his righteous life. You know, he declares to Martha that he is the author of the resurrection, that he holds the keys to death and the grave. And how does Martha respond? Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Martha here confesses her faith in Christ and even acknowledges his divinity, but she misses the power of it. Now, here is where I lose it. I'm all caught up in the conversation. Jesus is working to stretch Martha's faith. You know, he really wants her to get it. And I haven't seen him work this hard with his disciples. He is looking dead in her eyes. They are deep in this conversation. And what does Martha do? Read verse 28. It says, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary. Martha walked away. I wanted to scream. I wanted to scream at Martha and say, come back, come back. He's not finished talking to you. He wants you to get it so bad. Hang in there with him. He is stretching your faith and I know it's hard, but if you hang in there, you will get it. You will understand. It's so important to him. She walks away. Then I thought, Lord, how often, how many times have I walked away? From the truth? Have I walked away from you trying to tell me something? Have I closed my mind and shut down my heart because I'm looking at circumstances and, and I'm having a hard time focusing on the truth? But Martha walks away. Here he is offering her this gift. He didn't want Lazarus' resurrection to be a surprise, but a celebration of his life, of his power. He wanted to talk to her about his resurrection and why it would be so powerful. Martha believes in Christ's divinity, but she doesn't comprehend what that meant for her or her brother. Why do I say this? Lazarus had been laid in a grave in a rock. A massive stone had been placed before the entrance. Christ says, take the stone away. Martha objects, saying that the body had been buried for four days and corruption had already begun its work. And she was correct. But the life giver stood in front of her and he said, take away the stone. And how does Jesus respond? He said unto her, if you believe, you should see the glory of God. 
Why do you doubt my power, Martha? You have my word, Martha. If you believe, you shall see the glory of God. Calmly, Christ stands before the tomb. He lifts his eyes to heaven. He says to his father, I thank thee that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people which stand around me who don't believe, that they might believe that you sent me. Then he cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And as he speaks, divinity flashes through his humanity. You know, his face lights up with the glory of his father. The people see the resurrection power. Now Jesus withdraws from the scene, which I think is just so sad. People look for the life giver and he's nowhere to be found. He walks away. Nobody believed him. Oh, how his heart must have hurt. You know, Christ declares that even now the power which gives us life from a life of sin, from a life of depression, from a life of discouragement, from a life of disappointment, he has come to give us his resurrection life. Let the power of Christ's resurrection flow through us. So I say again, why is the resurrection of Christ so powerful? Because it breaks the dominion of evil over us and it gives us faith. It keeps our soul from sin. It keeps us from addictions. It keeps us from doing things that are hurtful to each other. It keeps us from the bitterness of of anger, the bitterness of forgiveness. It keeps us from breaking his law. It keeps us from hurting ourselves and hurting other people. This is the life-giving power of Christ in us. It is that powerful. It can break the hardest heart. It can break whatever is weighing us down, whatever the burden is. It can break it. It can break it. So when we open up our heart to the Spirit of Christ and become a partake of His mighty resurrection power, we live. We have His life in us. He gives us his life. Yes, the spirit of Jesus' life, the power of his resurrection is ours for the believing. Is ours today. Thank you for tuning in each week to make room for more. If you would like to listen to archive shows, you may do so by going to www.makeroomformorepodcast.buzzsprout.com. Once again, thank you so very much for joining us and have a wonderful week.